The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon everyone and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Um, I am Mary Woods, and I'm your host today. And before we begin our show, I would just like to acknowledge that um, we had our third annual Weekend of Hope this past weekend at Westbridge, and I want to um, just publicly to the world thank the families that came and attended. Um, it was great to have you all here, and um, I hope you left feeling um, hopeful and rejuvenated and um and that you're, you have a great week. So um, our show today is very interesting for a lot of us. It's about overcoming perfectionism and finding the key to balance and self-acceptance, which for some of us I think is more of a challenge than others. And our, our guest today who has written extensively on this is Ann Smith. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she's a nationally recognized leader and expert in the field of codependency. She's presented at um, conferences throughout the United States, Canada, and Finland. And as a licensed marriage and family therapist, she has spent nearly 30 years researching the impact of compulsive disorders have on individuals and family systems. And is also the director of Breakthrough at Karen, a program she designed for Karen treatment centers aimed at helping adults shift destructive life patterns, improve relationships, and foster personal growth. Anne's experience has landed her interviews with the National Public Radio, Newsweek, Us Magazine, Red Book, U.S. News and World Report, The Washington Post, The Wall Street Journal, and numerous others, newspapers, magazines, radio and TV programs across the United States. Currently, she is a contributor to Psychology Today's website through her popular blog, Healthy Connections, and also authored Grandchildren of Alcoholics, Another generation of codependency. Thank you so much for um, spending this hour with us, Anne. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I we're very pleased to have you, and I think this is a topic that a lot of people can relate to, whether they have an addictive disorder themselves or a mental illness, or I think um, just all kinds of folks can relate to perfectionism. Yes, a lot of people are perfectionists, and if they aren't, they often are around them. Well, and sometimes our culture kind of demands it of us. If you're going to go to law school, if you're going to go to medical school, if you want to be an engineer, if you want to get into the right colleges, there, there seems to be a lot of stress to do to not make mistakes. Absolutely. Um, you know, that if, if, if the person really has their own personal tendency toward perfectionism, any difficult task can really make it worse. Um, one of the things that you talked about in, in the preface of your book was um, 
instead of calling, uh, you, you, you're using some new language in this book, and I'm wondering why you decided to change the language. You went from using an alcoholic family to a painful family. Uh, what mm-hmm. made you decide to look at the language? Well, I've been at, at this for a very long time, and what I found is that so much of, of the um, help that we were offering to families with alcoholism, addiction, mental illness also applied to people who just grew up with ordinary stress. And what I tried to do is to be more inclusive uh, in terms of just people who are dealing with difficult things and have developed patterns as a reaction to, especially if they grew up with those stressful situations. And so it's, it's more of a human experience than it is um, a response to a specific problem. Where does attention to detail um, kind of morph into perfectionism and, and how does yeah. compulsion fill into that? That's, that's a, a good a very good question. It's it's something that when, if you're around little kids uh, at all, I mean very young, three, four years old, you can spot it very early and it isn't a problem. Uh, what you're seeing is a need for order. They are detail people. Uh, they tend to uh, pay much more attention to the little things that some people might not notice at all. And in in having that is not a problem at all until the stress starts to increase. And sometimes that happens very early in life and children start to use it as a way of coping. And it's so unconscious that it becomes compulsive. It's, it's just what they do. And they assume that that's who they are, but it is not who they are. Can you give us an example of that? Well, it's, it's that... Um, what I, what I really believe about most of our issues are about attachment. They're about the ways that we connect with other people. And when we're children, we absolutely have to have that connection, even for our physical survival and our protection, our safety. We need love, of course, but, but we're hardwired because we, we won't survive well without it. So when stress comes into a family, which can be addiction, can be mental illness, can be um, really anything that's disruptive, even if it's an, another child who's disabled or sick or the family's going through a crisis, then the, the children that are not in crisis themselves will also have to work a little harder to stay connected. So they start to do the work that ordinarily a parent would do. You know, usually the parent is trying to attach to the child, and in this case, what it flips where the child has to try a little harder to have approval or attention or um, to be acknowledged at all and to get affection. So they, their perfectionism is one of the things that they will use to get that. I you know as you're talking about stressors and, and how this can apply to anybody, you know, I'm thinking about the number of, of children whose uh, parents have been deployed three, four, five oh, times yeah. and are gone for long periods yes. of time. Are you mm-hmm. seeing... Anything with that? Yes, we actually have a, a veterans uh, couples program that we do. Um, that's something uh, in addition to the breakthrough program. And what we see in, in, in the couples is that the stress that they deal with, particularly the one who's at home alone uh, with the children, uh, it is through the roof. I mean, they are so stressed and so strained. And they'll do things, you know, inadvertently, like tell a, a, a young uh, child, a boy, um, now you have to be, you have to be uh, here to help mom now. And, you know, they'll encourage them to, to be stronger and to do better, which is good 
unless they feel it as pressure. And things like perfectionism will start to kick in and become a chronic problem for them, you know, as time goes on. Right, 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 right. I guess with all things, it's when it's taken to a a point where it interferes with, like, normal uh, childhood development. Absolutely. It skips stages. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, which makes, I think, it more difficult because it is in stages. So you constantly kind of evaluate... Um, both as an individual and as a as a parent, you know, you know how, you know how good is this and how damaging is is this? Um, right. Even in the school systems, it can happen. I remember having a client who was definitely a perfectionist and an overachiever, and uh, she was in school. She was in a Catholic school, and she would tell stories about how they the the teacher when they left the room would put her in charge, and this was in like fourth grade. So she would be in charge of the class while the teacher was out. And that kind of encouragement even really turns into something where the child doesn't any longer belong to their own peer group, that they are constantly trying to excel. And then she was advanced a grade, and, you know, that kind of thing can really disrupt their personal development, their emotional development. You know, I think um, to some degree or another, um, a lot of successful people have some degree of perfectionistic traits. Um, yes. And I think I was much more perfectionistic when I was younger than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got a few years on me. But, um, you, know, at what, you know, at what point does it become a problem? You know, what, what happens to people? Um, you know, most people that are perfectionists like, like the fact that they're perfectionists. Their world is very ordered. Um, they, they, they know what's coming. Um, they feel in control. They think they know what's coming. <laughs> yeah. But as we all know, especially, you know, people who've dealt with addiction and mental illness in their families uh, and in their work, they know we, that we don't know what's coming. And that's, that's where the problem comes in, that they start to think that they're in control or that they should be. You've probably talked to parents whose, whose young adults or teenage children are in trouble uh, with, their, with their health, with their emotional health and mental health. And there, there is, at a point, there's nothing that a parent can do to change the trajectory of what's going on. And it's, it's very painful when they come to a crashing halt when something like that happens. The other time that it rises up as a big problem is when it starts to conflict with your values. When people say things like, my family is the most important thing in my life, and yet they're putting most of their energy and attention into their work or into their house or their lawn or in pushing their children to achieve, or they're doing things that really in the end are not really congruent with what they want. And how much does insecurity play into this? Um, because people who are perfectionists often are very concerned about how they're perceived by the world. Yes, they, they, they do. And it, it's a very serious thing, and it's also part of the cause, that it becomes a, a compulsion you know, to keep on trying harder and doing better when they feel like they're not secure in their relationships, especially when they're young. That's why it's such a lifelong issue for, for many people. So when, when they're, they're feeling rejected or feeling unwanted or abandoned, that's when, when that kicks in and they try, they try even harder. So the insecurity, and it plagues them, and it's a secret. 
And the longer it's a secret, the more painful it becomes. For a lot of people in their intimate relationships, uh, they become um, not so much secretive, but very defensive, and that hurts them. Um, And we'll be right back to talk more about overcoming perfectionism with Ann Smith after this commercial break. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence based practices, consensus practices, and old fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Better communication means better relationships in every sense of the word. When you communicate more effectively and interact more effectively, your life is lived more effectively. Tune in to Talk Time with Trish, featuring host Trish Ferrante and co-host Lisa Stewart. Our program is all about the human element. We are all comprised of parts and stuff that we may be aware of or others may be aware of. When we become aware of what others are aware of, it means more to us. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everybody. Today we're talking about overcoming perfectionism with Ann Smith, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a nationally recognized leader and expert in the field of codependency, and she's also the director of the Breakthrough Program at, at Karen um, in Pennsylvania, right? Because Karen has a yeah. few um, locations. So before right. we went to break, we were talking about perfectionism, and in your book you talk about overt and covert perfectionists and um, could you explain to us a little bit about that? Sure. The overt is, is the kind everyone thinks of immediately when you talk about uh, an adult who is a perfectionist, because in their case, it's pretty visible. Uh, you wouldn't see a cluttered desk. Uh, you would uh, notice that they're really pretty put together, at least in most areas of their lives, although I don't think anyone can pull it off everywhere. Uh, 
But um, the covert perfectionist is a little harder to see. It's someone who has some of the tendencies on the inside, in other words, in the way that they think and in the way they feel, but not so much in their performance. Uh, sometimes they are uh, a person who's capable of, of looking like a perfectionist in one area of their lives, and the rest of it is a disaster, like work or the public places might look all, all together, but when you see it at home, they're not. You know, you can't, they can't quite pull it off. And the thing that's most characteristic about them is that they appear to be easygoing and laid back, like they don't really care, but on the inside, they're constantly making comparisons between how they look and how they perform and comparing it to others. You know, I haven't done enough or I'm not quite good enough. And they're very hard on themselves and not so hard on other people. The other kind of perfectionist, the overt, is is often hard on themselves and other people and being right. kind of critical of the way that people do things, like there's a right way. And it's usually their way. Yes. And with yeah. coverts, it's more um, gone underground and it's more personal. It's more about, about how they feel about themselves. Um, in our last segment, you were talking a little bit about the attachment theory and um, I'd like you to expand on that because I'm not sure all of our listeners will, um, will understand what that theory is. Mm-hmm. Well, attachment, the, the word attachment, it means what it sounds like. It's, it's the idea that um, human beings you know, must stay connected to other human beings or we would all fall apart. I mean, we would not survive physically. Uh, we, our wiring for future relationships develops through that process of, of being loved and getting the reassurance and comforting of, of another human being, hopefully a parent. Hopefully two parents would be even better, but we really only have to have one person who, who makes it their, their uh, mission to help us to survive. And then as we evolve, all of the research that you see about uh, health, mental health, emotional health, uh, even financial and career uh, success depends on uh, support systems, networks, keeping a connection with people who know you, who care about you, uh, who are behind you, you know, people, young adults going out into the world and knowing that they have a family that will back them up. And I don't mean financially. I mean that emotionally. If you go through something difficult, someone will be there for you and hopefully more than one person. And that makes us healthier in every respect. So when we talk about attachment theory in terms of working with people in therapy, what we're looking at is how secure or insecure they may be as a result of their own upbringing. Um, And I don't believe really that blaming anyone, it does any good. Uh, I think really the most important thing to look at is what was the stress level in a family when a child was growing up? And if, you know, you just think of it this way. If, if a mother has a migraine headache or a father loses his job or something happens that is difficult for the parents, it automatically disrupts things for children temporarily, which is not a big problem. But if it's chronic, if it goes on and on, if your parent is bipolar, for example, and sometimes they're okay and sometimes they're not, that is, children feel like a near-death experience when their parent pulls away, especially when they're very young. 
And as time goes on, they begin to build their world around that type of relationship and begin to believe that, that that's how it is. And so then they start developing these adaptive patterns to get as much of that connection as they can. And those turn into problems later on. So it helps in the beginning to, to adapt, and then later on that adapting becomes another problem. Well, and I guess we could also say that, too, that, that the attachments that we're able to make throughout our lives, as you said earlier, is what helps to keep us healthy. And um, whether that's a recovery community or a family or a career mm-hmm. congregation at church or whatever, right, your all friendships. Of things, mm-hmm. yeah, your friendships are really, really important. And for people who are overtly perfectionistic, they can be hard to like sometimes. Yes, they can. They're, you can you depend know? on them, but they may yeah. not be people you would call when you're hurting. Right. Because so they're not kind of authentic sometimes. That, that's kind of self-defeating, isn't it? In yeah, and it's sad really because it started you. to get approval, and in the end, they get isolated. Right. Right, right, they, right. They appear to be above it all, and uh, and they're really not, and they don't feel good about themselves. They might for a little while. There are a few narcissistic types of perfectionists who would say that they do feel good about themselves, and they're actually better than other people. Those right. they're not the majority of perfectionists, honestly. Right. Most of them are regular folks that are just doing more than they need to do to get approval. Right, right, right. Well, and then you think about people who are perfectionistic in terms of, like, thinking of woodworkers who do just amazing work, but they're so detail-oriented. Or I I hearken back to Larry Bird, who who made, I don't know, a gazillion um, baskets so that he would become the the person, you know, the basketball player that he was, that, that he did become, but that, you know, he perfected that. You know, he, right. he worked at it. And, mm-hmm. um, and so yep. that in, in some ways that behavior is rewarded. It's just how do you then have balance in the rest of your life? Right. How do you go home and be a parent to your, your son, let's say, who is learning how to play baseball or basketball, but they're not going to be very good at it if yeah. you're someone who's totally driven? You know, you can be driven in one area and then try to be balanced in another. It is possible to do that. It's not easy, but it is possible. How do you like do I that? Like, I hope my dentist is a perfectionist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope my, my neurosurgeon is a perfectionist. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I hope my car dealer, my, my car mechanic is a perfectionist, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the airplane pilot. We want him mm-hmm. to be especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But not yeah. your mother or your father or your sister or your brother or your, your partner. Or your boss, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're hard to work so, with. So how does this fit into um, relationships and, um, you know, friendships and intimate relationships that we have? Mm-hmm. What what I've seen, and I've, I've experienced it too, is that, you know, if you are someone who has spent your life trying not to make mistakes, and I can relate to this. I mean, I, I've been like that in the past and, uh, and, and didn't want to make mistakes because I was so afraid of rejection or disapproval or, or feeling ashamed of myself. So I would make sure, first of all, that I didn't try any task that I couldn't do well and that if I did something... Um, that if that maybe I might make a mistake on, I would hide it. 
You know, I wouldn't let people know about it. So you can't be authentic and be that protected. So in a relationship, an intimate relationship, which everybody says they want intimacy, closeness, you can't have closeness when you're not real. You have to be someone who can be vulnerable, can make mistakes, can get, can get a, handle a little criticism and feedback because, you know, it's a give and take in relationships. We, we need to allow our partner to influence us and we need to influence them. We can't have a rule book that we live by and say this is the way it should be done and we both should do things exactly the same way. Right. That, that defensiveness pushes people away, friends or lovers. Either way, it's, it, and it also, it, it also puts children in a very tenuous position with a parent. What is the relationship perfectionism to domestic violence? Well, I think that, you know, you're talking about uh, some added dimensions with rage and narcissism. And I think probably perfectionism is a part of that, but it's, it's not the largest part of it. Uh, a raging perfectionist is a really dangerous thing. And it, it, can, it can be very difficult. I remember, you know, I didn't grow up with domestic violence, but I do remember my father's perfectionism scared me a great deal. He, uh, he would ask us, my, my sisters and I, to help with his projects, and he'd say, go get that screwdriver with the green handle. And you go to the tool, the tool area, and there are lots of screwdrivers, and none of them look green. <laughs> and, but he knows exactly where he put it, and he knows exactly what it looks like. So if you come back and say you don't know which one or you bring the wrong one, then he rages. Mm-hmm. And... That kind of thing makes children back away from, or may, a partner, obviously, back away from the, the person that they love. It pushes them away. And in cases where there's addiction, mental illness, and all of that, very dangerous combination. Very dangerous. Fear is not something that, that um, is conducive to intimacy. No, not at all. Not at all. No, and you know, I, I can, um, I don't know that it's so much about perfectionism, but when I was growing up, there were a lot of shoulds for little girls, you know, yes. You, yes. And, and there were all these rules that while it didn't make you perfect, it made you feel like if you didn't adhere to those rules, you were really doing something wrong and that you, you weren't getting it right. And um, what, I mean, doesn't society play into this a bit too? Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the, the thing is, if, if uh, for even one year, let's say third grade or fourth grade, a child has a teacher who is like that, who's rigid, who is somewhat shaming, it takes a really excellent parent to balance that. Because what a child would need is, is attachment behaviors, which are things like reassuring the child. You know, I know that your teacher wants things to be this way, but you can't always do things the way that people want you to. I'm here for you. You'll get through this. I'm behind you. You are special. I know you. And that, that will help them through it. This is wonderful stuff. Um, and we'll hear more about perfectionism and overcoming it with Anne after this next commercial. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and today we're talking with Ann Smith, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, who is currently the director of, of the Breakthrough Program at Karen, and she is a recognized leader and expert in the field of codependency. We're talking about overcoming perfectionism and finding the key to balance and self-acceptance. Um, you know... As you were as you were talking before we went to break about um, rigid teachers, both of my children went to a Catholic elementary school and they had one teacher who was extremely rigid and um, and you know they both still talk about her to this day and they're in their late twenties and it's um, you know it's, yeah. it's amazing the impact that somebody like that has on a child even you know twenty some years later um, and I'm just you know, wondering in terms of, um, you know, you you were mentioning your dad and the effect that his perfectionism had on you. Um, What about, you know, how do you differentiate between, you know, high-achieving people who want high-achieving children and perfectionism? I would say for my, my first thought is that the absence of shame, if people can encourage their children 
with goals, with purpose, with a mission, and inspire them, you know, that is, that is healthy and, and useful and probably it, it would work. But when it, when it includes shame, which is more of an attitude of, uh, actually people who have shame tend to shame other people. So it usually is a parent who doesn't, um, really have a, a good sense of, of, um, security or self-esteem themselves. So if you try to push a child by telling them that they're not as good as their brother, or that they should be better, or that they are intelligent and so they shouldn't be making mistakes, or pushing them in a direction that doesn't fit with their own um, essence, as I would call it, uh, you know, the traits that we're born with, that we have to help children be who they are to the best of their ability, but it's done with love and with positive attachment behaviors. You know, simple things like, um, you know, like greeting a child in a loving way, like playing with them, uh, finding, helping them to find what's good about themselves, but not saying to them that they, because of that, they have to be the best. That's not in everyone's personality to be the best. You know, some people will, will excel and some people are, are satisfied with less. And that pressure, if it's, if it includes shame, it actually breaks the child down and, and either turns them into an unhappy workaholic or, or, um, you know, somebody who's just, uh, not able to accomplish anything because they're doubting themselves all the time. So, so what's the, um, how do you overcome it? We've spent a good time talking about what it is, but how do we mm-hmm. overcome this? If, if well, it's kind of rooted uh, actually, in childhood. Yeah, I mean, there are people who will need therapy to do it, depending on, you know, how severe the situation is. But I think, you know, there are some tips that people can keep in mind. Anyone who's hard on themselves, anyone who feels that inner pressure, you know, there are, there are things that they can do. Um, if their self-talk is really negative, you know what I mean by that, the committee in your mm-hmm. head? Yep. You know, if yes, you tend to, yep. you, yeah, you scold yourself, you, you call yourself stupid or lazy or, you know, you're, you're condemning yourself for not doing enough or not doing well enough. You know, what, one of the things you can do is really start to write down those things in a journal, the things that you say to yourself that are not so kind. And only do that briefly, just enough to, to realize what's going on. And then start to turn the volume down like you would on a radio knob. Just imagine yourself turning that down and coming up with some new voices. You know, the, the voices of, of uh, things like one of my favorites is, that's enough. Like for me to say to myself that what I did was good enough, the time I put in was good enough, um, it's good enough for now. Uh, I mean, for me to stop myself from my frenetic activity uh, is a really important thing. Because a lot of times I get going and I don't have any breaks. And I'm trying so hard to get something finished or to get it right or to meet a deadline that isn't even important. So that's one of the things. Um, accepting One of the goals I, I, I really suggest to almost anyone is the idea of beginning to accept yourself as you are and, and make self-improvement a choice. It's not something you have to do. It's something you choose to do. So when I say accepting yourself, I mean accepting your essence, the truth about you, you know, what you're good at, what you're not so good at, uh, your limitations, 
Uh, one of the things that I have had to, to deal with all of my life and probably always will is I have kind of a big personality. I, um, when I'm not calm and, and together, I can sometimes blurt things out that upset people <laughs> that are overpowering and scare them. People will say they're afraid of me. And I'm just devastated by that because that's not my intention, but I can come off kind of powerful if I'm not monitoring, you know, how my emotional state is. So like if I'm stressed out, I haven't had enough sleep, uh, I'm coming off a cold, I have a headache, I might, you know, just scare someone off who I really don't want to do that to with my directness, you know, my my being so forthright. So that's the kind of thing that I have to forgive if it happens, but I also want to prevent it. You know, I want to prevent that from happening by being calm, and, and uh, that requires getting enough sleep. You know, it requires having some fun, having some laughs. You know, I'm in charge of that. So when I say accept yourself, you know, admit that, yeah, there are things about you that drive you crazy, but everybody's got them. There is no one that doesn't have a list of things that are a bit troublesome. Even that perfectionist who thinks they don't have any of those things, but they do. Right. right. So, well, um, then it's easier to accept other people. Right. You can accept yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think another tip would be uh, what I call people first. That uh, when I got rolling in my, uh, you know, overdoing it, workaholism, you could call it, I suppose, um, I would forget about the people in my life. And I would put my, my challenges first, my to-do list the things I have to get done. So I would come home a little bit late. I'd walk in and I'd see that the kitchen is a mess and I'd start talking about what wasn't done, who didn't do this, who didn't do that, instead of making a connection that's good for me and good for the people I love. And doing that, always do that first. At work, when I've been away or on vacation or something, come back and say hello to people instead of doing the email. You know, just Attachment is everything. You know, that little bit of connection, eye contact, hello, how are you? A follow-up question like, you know, how, how did your vacation go? Um, you know, how are you feeling today? And really listen. Take that time to listen instead of rushing through it so you can get to your to-do list again. So those are just a few things. I'm thinking for some folks that this that, that trying to step away from the perfectionistic behavior could be very anxiety ridden. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I, I visualize it as living your life standing up on a chair above everyone else. And and I don't mean that you think you're better than them, but that you're you're not part of the world. You're looking down on the world. You know, you're, you're looking at it as if it's all a bunch of stuff to do, all obligations, all things that you have to do, and you're separated and you're not getting the same love and attention and f- fun and companionship that everyone else is. And so stepping down off that chair produces enormous anxiety when you suddenly become human and people begin to see the, the wrinkles on your face, the flaws and, and begin, begin to know how you feel, really feel about yourself. I actually uh, encountered a situation once years ago with an administrative assistant who was planning an event. She lived in another state, and she was working for an agency planning a speaking engagement that I was doing. And she 
she did a perfect job. Everything she did in planning it was way over the top, more than most people would do. And the day before the event, I got a call from the director of the program saying that she, she committed suicide. <gasps> oh, that's awful. It is. And what she had done is she had all the checks printed. She had everything prepared, thinking that she would get it all done before she left. And she had this perfect event that everyone went to devastated, that they didn't know her and they didn't know the pain that she was in. And she was always right on target at work. Everything was just right. But nobody knew her. And that really woke me up, you know, thinking of the people who could be at your funeral after you've had a perfect life. Wow. And they never knew you. In in the book, you have some some indicators for perfectionism, which reminds me, that story reminds me that there are some indicators, and you talk about avoiding stillness and quiet. Mm-hmm. It's one, and placing excessive demands on time and energy yet never doing enough yep. is another. Yeah. Um, obsessing over the details of a task and making it bigger than life. Yeah, so you can't do it. That's where the procrastinators come in. Not all procrastinators have that, but, but some, that's the reason. Because you can't do um, it perfect be, today, you have to wait. Yeah. yeah, being frustrated with criticizing the imperfection of others. Mm-hmm. And practicing rigid, purposeless rituals in the name of organization, structure, cleanliness, or the right way. Mm-hmm. Yep. And feeling inadequate, guilty, and shameful when our humanness shows. And competing mentally or behaviorally in any endeavor. So competitive people tend to be perfectionists, huh? <laughs> well, one, one of the funny things about it is that they could even take up a hobby like tennis. They want to do that for exercise and fun. And the next thing you know, they're competing. Or they're, they decide to start running. And when they do it, they take a pedometer with them and they start timing themselves to see how fast and far they can run. And so it's like they can't just leave it alone as something that's enjoyable enjoying the scenery, you know, being yeah, I, present. It's mindfulness is really what we're talking about. Right. Or the lack of thereof. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. not comfortable in their own skin. They're always going somewhere else. Well, we'll be right back for our final segment after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Ann Smith, who is the director of um, Breakthrough Program at Karen, and we're talking about overcoming perfectionism and finding balance and acceptance in, in our lives. And, and you were saying earlier what was some tips for people who um, might have some perfectionistic uh, traits that um, they're trying to um, moderate. What about the folks that, that just can't do it on their own or, you know, their perfectionism is so ingrained that they can't overcome it without help. Yeah, that that does uh, happen to a lot of people. Once in a while, someone will go to therapy for something like a relationship and then we'll find out that the bigger issue at first is their perfectionism. I can think of one gentleman I worked with who was uh, came in with his with his wife, and it it turned out that um, he was so rigid in perfectionism that it was really negatively impacting his family, and his children were afraid of him. And that was what turned him around, what started to turn him around. But what we had to explore, which is the first step in that process, if if therapy is used is to really take a look at where it began and how how it evolved and it isn't it isn't about shaming ourselves about oh I'm a bad person or I had a terrible childhood but but knowing that you know you had that tendency to start with probably got it from a parent one of the parents and that gradually because of the things that they were dealing with and the the feeling of separation they felt with their family or with their parents they uh, had to sort of up the ante and they started working even harder to get that and they never realized how severe that it got so recognizing that and looking at how it started is really the beginning and then eventually we start to look at their values and and to see where like in this case this this gentleman loved his children adored them and it broke his heart when they actually told him they were probably only about 10 and 8 and they told him that they were afraid of him, that when he came home from work, he was always yelling. He had overdone it at work, and he came home and he criticized how the house looked, and he couldn't support them. He couldn't be there for them. So those are the things that helped to turn him around. So then the next step was for him to start to show his vulnerability. I call that becoming me. It's like take the show on the road or come out. You know, you've got to reveal the fact that, like, for in his case, he's coming home exhausted, 
sad, tired, over, overstressed, which he needed to tell his spouse. You know, he needed to talk about that. And he needed to stay away from his children until he felt better. So, and then the third step is really to begin to let go of expectations and to forgive themselves for the mistakes that they've made in the past. So acceptance is an ongoing process of, of self-forgiveness. That's a nice bumper sticker. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. But um, we have to go break- through it. Yeah, I know. Um, during the break, we were talking um, a little bit about how perfectionism affects people who are um, new to recovery. And I'd, I'd like you to kind of share with uh, listeners what you shared with me. Mm-hmm. If a person has that tendency toward perfectionism, once they get some answers, sometimes they go a little crazy. It's like they didn't know all these things. You know, they didn't know about their childhood issues. They didn't know about how to express feelings or to manage their emotional life. And once they do, some people go a little too fast. It's like they read every book they can get their hands on. They, they try to go through the steps as fast as they can, and then they start helping other people before they're ready. So being authentic is messy, and it needs to be messy. It's not worthwhile if it isn't messy. They really need to stay where they are and take one step at a time and reveal who they are to someone or, or to several people, whether it's in therapy or 12-step programs or, or both, ideally. I really feel that that helps people a lot to do both. And uh, when they do that, they, they find out what, you know, what, how they're perceived by other people and they can make deep, deep, lasting change instead of speeding through it and doing looking good recovery. Well, and we were talking about the other side of that, too, is that some people feel like they never measure up. They never do it right. They don't do it. They're not working the steps as well as the person next to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their their trunkalog isn't as bad as someone else's or, or you know, they, they just never, ever feel like they've done it well enough. Yeah, some people really turn against themselves in a way. They, they're really hard on themselves about that. The comparisons are, are, are really, really difficult. We do groups here at Breakthrough where I, where I'm director and they, everyone's in a different place when they get here. I mean, they, some have had some counseling, some haven't. And I have to say that some people get it, naturally get it easier than others do. And it has to do with your, your, uh, your makeup all around. It isn't just about how bad was your childhood. That's a factor. But it's also about how you are emotionally and how you handle things. And we're all different. Some people will get it quicker than others. And, and you know, it's not fair, but it is what it is. You know, some people really have a, an easier time of it. And maybe that's because they're destined for something else that they're supposed to do. But it, you have to go at your own pace. And if you don't get it, if you don't understand it, if, you, if you're not ready for a stage that people want you to go to, then don't do it. Take your time. It take as long as it takes. But one thing I don't want people to do is to stay digging up childhood and go negative with that, you know, to try to, to, try to remember everything bad that ever happened. That is not necessary. It's absolutely not necessary. That really our goal is one thing, and that's quality of life to live the life you want to be living, not to be as good as someone else. Well, and also take responsibility for your own life. 
right. and, and who you are today as opposed to, you know, um, becoming a victim to your past or a victim to um, <clears throat> things you can't control. Right, and I love the one hour at a time idea. I love it because we can only be healthy right now. I don't know how I'm going to be in an hour or, or, or tomorrow or tonight. I don't know how I'll be when I'm tired. I just know what I need to do right now and put one foot in front of the other and do the next right thing, and that's it. And when I say right, I don't mean perfect. I mean the right. next right thing for this moment. And, you know, I think there's so much freedom in, in being able to say, wow, I just screwed that up, or yes. wow, that that was not my best moment, mm-hmm. you know? Right, um, right. I've just done I'm, this recently, by the way, <laughs> and had to backtrack and make some apologies and yeah. continue to make apologies if necessary. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's it's hard to be authentic and not ruffle a few feathers, right? Oh, I know. It, or to grow. Like when you're trying to achieve certain things, you know, in your own growth, when you want to take some risks and be assertive and accomplish something, sometimes you go out of bounds. You know, you, you right. might just do that, you know, in order to, to be excellent, which is okay. Excellent is okay. Perfect, not a great goal. Right, right. Excellence you can probably achieve. Perfection we can't. No, no, very unlikely. Hit and miss with that. <laughs> right, 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 right. Unless you're a neurosurgeon, right? We, we decided our neurosurgeon, our dentist, we wanted them to have perfection, right? <laughs> yeah, you know what they'd the have to tell you, though, the but plane, they don't we want them to have. <laughs> we want them to have perfection in what they're doing, not mm-hmm. so much in who they are. But, right. Um, so how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more, they want to learn more about the Breakthrough Program? Well, we have a website. It's at www.breakthroughatkaron, C-A-R-O-N. So that's one word, breakthroughatkaron.org. And uh, the program is described there and all of the different services that we provide. And how can people get the book? Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, they can get uh, a Kindle form of it or, or uh, the, the soft cover. So uh, it's, it's available now. And make sure you get the one that was, that was published in 2013. It just came out in March because this is a second edition. And thank you so much for being our guest today. Um, it's, it's been very illuminating, and I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it. Um, thank you. Great. Thank you, Mary. And have a great week, everybody. Remember, strive for progress, not perfection. And um, have a happy Memorial Day. appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.